Not as man sees does God see, because man sees the appearance, but God looks into the heart. It says in the book of Samuel. Not as man sees does God see. Man sees the appearance, but God looks into the heart. This beautiful story of the man born blind who, um, through Jesus' miracle, is able to see, and then all the controversy that ensues. But um, throughout the, the Gospels, but in fact throughout all of the Bible, and on into the New Testament letters like we read from, from Paul today, this symbolism of light and dark, blindness and sight, um, is for all of us. It's not just for those who are actually visually impaired, who physically cannot see, but it's symbolic of the kind of natural blindness that we all have. Um, both because of our sin, our sinfulness has blinded us from the truth, has darkened our intellect and weakened our will. But also there's just native blindness to being a human being. We're creatures who are limited. We can't see the way God sees. We see the appearance. God looks into the heart. Certain things that are just, no matter if we have functional physical sight or not, we can never see the future. We can't see into the heart of other people. You know, we might hear what they say or see their actions, but you can't really see what's going on inside of another person, their thoughts, their desires, what's really motivating them. And even ourselves, we're, we're even blind to ourselves, our own hearts, if we're honest. Like, what, what is it? Who am I really? <laughs> what am I a- actually after? Why do I do what I do or choose what I choose? Only God really sees me. So God can see these things. He can see the future. He can see into the other person's heart. He can see into your heart perfectly, better than you can see yourself. But you cannot. But the gift is that we can have a relationship with God who can see these things. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me does not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So we can have a relationship with God, who is the light. He not only sees these things, but he's also the light by which we see them. Not by magic, not if I have a relationship with God, now I have this clairvoyant ability to see the future or read other people's thoughts or minds. But rather that he can reveal the truth to me in my humanity, in my limitation. If I don't have a relationship with God, then I'm basically stumbling around in the darkness. I may have a certain sense of where things are, you know? Maybe I saw where the furniture was in the room, and I'm just kind of like slowly, I think the couch is over there, and, but then I'm going to hit my shin on the coffee table or something, you know? And then I'm going to swear, and then I'm going to lose my orientation of where everything is, in the, and then I'm just going to have to either sit or stay put or just thrash around and hope that I find my way out. But if I have a relationship with God it's, and he can see, it's like I'm holding his hand and he can guide me through these things that I cannot see. Right? I am the light of the world. So if I have God, no matter the fact that I can't see, I'm always in the light. I'm always in the light. But not in the sense like God is this lantern that I can carry around. Like, oh, this is, now I, I can... Uh, I'm not limited by huma- my humanity anymore. I can, I can know things that other people don't know. He's not like some secret technique 
or something. It's a relationship. And so it's got to be on his terms, and he reveals things as I'm ready to, to hear them. Sometimes we go into prayer and we think like, Lord, it would be really nice if you could just give me, lay out the next five years for me. What's going to happen? So I can be prepared, you know, so I don't need to get my hopes up too much or I can start getting my hopes up and be excited because I don't want to just live in this moment right here, right now. I want to use God so that I can have some extra knowledge or, or see something that is just naturally hidden from me. Um, but I am the light of the world, he says. He also says in another place, you are the light of the world. Same place he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And what does that mean? Again, not that now that I have Jesus, I have this lantern. I can see things. It's that he, the light of the world, is now so alive in me that I live by this light. Like Me and the light are one. If you've ever met somebody who just lives like that, you know, again, totally ordinary in their humanity. They're not superhuman. They don't have like some huge charismatic gift. People who just walk in the confidence that Jesus is always with them, they remain in him and he remains in them, that they've become light. And now you can live your light, your life in the light of their life. You know, you can watch them and follow them and imitate them. Because wow, they, they seem to like have this confidence that I feel like I'm just kind of carefully trying to walk in the dark and not hit my shin on anything. So we can have a personal relationship with the light himself, with truth. Jesus uses this uh, analogy of light. He also uses the analogy of water. You know, whoever um, asks for this water, he says to the woman at the well from a few weeks ago, um, if you ask for this water, it would, I would give you it, this living water, it would become in you a spring welling up to eternal life. I love both of these symbols for, for the Holy Spirit of both light and water because both of those things go wherever they're let in. <laughs> You know, if you have, like, buildings, you see these cracks in the brick? Like, these things worry me because water goes everywhere. Everywhere there's a crack, it gets in, you know, and it will start to freeze and thaw and do damage and leak and uh, erode things. Water and light are both like that. Look at the light pouring through the window right now. These three little gaps and just comes in and illuminates. Um, so it's not the kind of thing that, like, we need to conjure out of nothing, <laughs> Light is just something that you let in. And then as soon as you let it in, the darkness is expelled. I love that the man born blind is like the paragon of simplicity in this gospel. He does not make anything more complicated than it needs to be. Jesus does this strange miracle. He spits in the, in the earth, uses, makes it clay, and then rubs it on his eyes, says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He washes, and then he's blind from birth, and now he can see. And he experiences, undoubtedly, a miracle. He knows it happened. There's people around who saw him begging, knew that he was a blind person, he was disabled, unable to work, and now he can see, but they're like, is that the same guy? No, I don't think it is. No, I think it is. Let's go get his parents. And, and every time they interview him, they're just like, so what happened? He goes, um, he spit on the ground, he made clay, rubbed it on my eyes, told me to go wash, and now I can see Okay, but yeah, but what happened? Like, how did it... I don't know. He's like, well, that guy's a sinner. He did it on the Sabbath. He's like, I don't know if he's a sinner. All I know is that I was blind, and now I can see. And then the most beautiful moment to me is after everybody's so mad at him 
because he's just too complicated. Like, it's so inconvenient that it happened on the Sabbath, and we don't know where Jesus is from. He's not, he seems to be disobeying the laws of Moses, and Moses we know comes from God, but this Jesus, I don't know where he's from, and all of the, the consequences, it's so inconvenient that this man has had this life-changing, beautiful miracle happen to him. And so they just throw him out. They say, you were born totally in sin, and you're trying to teach us? Get out of here. And then, it doesn't really say, I imagine he's in the crowd, like he's in Jerusalem, and he's just kind of like all alone and abandoned. He's got his new sight, and he can see everything. It's probably pretty overwhelming. And then it just says, Jesus comes to him. Jesus finds him. And he just says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he asks the most beautiful questions, like a child. Who is he, Lord, so I can believe in him? Just tell me. I'll believe in him. He doesn't even know that it was the Lord himself that gave him this miracle. It was just this man who was so kind and so generous. And he's just so simple. He just lets in the light. He says, it's the one you're speaking to. I am the son of man. And says, he worshipped him. Water, light, it goes wherever it's let in. We don't have to do a lot of work. We just have to open up. And Jesus pursues this man just as he pursues us. And we can let him in. He's knocking on the door. He's, he's got his sandal in the, in the crack, ready to come in when we let him in. St. Ignatius has this great rule of discernment. He says, the evil one is like a false lover who whispers through the window of a, of a young woman. Uh, to try to seduce her. And what he doesn't want is for the young woman to go tell her father that there's this creep at the window. Because as soon, as soon as she does, then the guy runs away. He needs her to keep it secret, these temptations, these seductions. And that's what the evil one does to us. We, we try to work things out. We have these things bubble up in our hearts, things stir, these fears, these anxieties, trying to reckon with our natural blindnesses and trying to figure it out manage our lives and we get trapped but if we just told our father if we just opened up to the light we just recognize i am already in relationship with the holy spirit who knows the future who knows other people who knows me better than i know myself i can just ask for help priest said once when your heart is stirred up make the relational choice meaning when you feel something happening in your heart something has uh, stirred you up. Those are the temptation. Those are the moments you're tempted to rely on yourself to try to figure it out. To be like, what's going on here? And that's the moment you need to ask your father for help. So like, Lord, I don't know what's going on. Help me understand. And that simplicity, like the man born blind, just childlike openness. The light we'll find doesn't solve all the problems. Doesn't give us extra superhuman knowledge. It just pervades the whole situation with a presence that's greater than us. I'll finish with this. I've been reflecting on, and I think I speak not just for myself, but we tend to get, we tend to count on the wrong thing. Meaning, um, we act as if we don't know if God's going to be there with us. We don't know if we can really trust him. We don't know if he's really going to give us the answer we need. And so we count on everything else. <laughs> that things might work out the way we hope if I just plan right, or think through it all, or maybe the future will be better than the past and, I can, and, and that will make me happy, or I will finally be able to rest, I'll be happy when. We count on all these things that are totally uncertain. <laughs> we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know if things will work out. 
We don't know if we're going to have what it takes to face the challenges that await us. We don't know any of that. But what we do know and what we can count on is that God will be there the whole time and that he loves us and that he can handle that, that stuff. Um, I don't know why it is that in our human heart we just get it backwards. We count on the wrong thing. And we put our hopes in those things that are uncertain rather than putting all of our hope and all of our trust in the thing that is most certain, which is God's absolute existence, his absolute love for us. I am the light of the world. But then we come and we receive the light and we become light. And we are never alone that whatever happens tomorrow, we can always make the relational choice that God will be involved and wants to be involved in whatever is happening in our life. 